0: We know once after that all wealthy societies in the world have in common. They have long gains of trust in those societies. Break down the trust chains, you get poorer, right? So the thing with game theory is that game theory is an alternative version of doing larger populations so you can scale up. And because you scale up, you can then have the benefit of trust. You do this artificially with Bitcoin. I see technology developing so quickly and so many people are on board. And, the, the, and that's why I love Bitcoin cults. I don't have a problem at all this going religious. I think it should be because then people are willing to die for this idea. Brilliant. Okay. Because it's that good. Okay. Now, if that's the case, then any flaw that pops up because the chest isn't really nailed yet will solve very quickly by technologists who understand the magic of Bitcoin.
1: Welcome back to the Freedom Footprint Show, a Bitcoin philosophy show with Knuts van Holm and me, Luke the Pseudofin. Today, we're thrilled to be joined by Alexander Bard. He's originally famous, especially in Sweden, for his music career, but he's since turned to philosophy. He's the co-author of five books, soon to be six, and he's a major proponent of syntheism, a movement focused on how atheists and pantheists can achieve the same feelings of community and awe as experienced in traditional theistic religions. This is a wide-ranging talk on many topics we've never covered before. We deep dive into AI, game theory, centralization and decentralization, religion, the idea of the shamanic or shamanoid individual, attentionalism and capitalism, trust, The list goes on and on. But at the core, we discuss the revolution of Bitcoin. Get ready for this great episode. But before we start, we'd like to quickly remind you that the best way you can support the show is to send us a boost or stream us some sats on a value for value podcasting app like Fountain. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, consider checking out Fountain if you haven't already. You can earn sats from listening to podcasts, and you can support your favorite shows through Value for Value. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe to the channel, and turn on notifications so you never miss a weekly episode. And finally, we want to thank today's sponsors, Orange Bill App, Wasabi Wallet, and Consensus Network. All their information is in the description. We'll be talking a little more about them later. And so, without further ado, here is Alexander Bard on the Freedom Footprint Show. Alexander Bard, welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. Happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Yeah, happy to have you here, Alexander. We've been uh, thinking about talking for a, a long time, and uh, now we're finally here. Nice to finally meet you. Yeah, tjena, <laughs> Uh So, so uh, Alexander has been uh, hopping in and out of my life uh, via the television set uh, during uh, even my childhood, I think, uh, I think you started with Army of Lovers even in the 80s, right? If I'm if I'm not, or like the beginning of the 90s, like somewhere around that? Okay, there. so this is the story. Yeah. Max, Tegmark and I
0: both went to the Stockholm School of Economics in parallel in the 1980s. All right. Uh, in 1989, we're both finished. He wanted something more than economics and decided to pursue physics and mathematics. I wanted something more than economics and decided to pursue culture and art, and eventually philosophy. So today when Max and I meet, and it's all the, you know, the whole AI hype, we're two sides of the AI hype at the moment. It's kind of funny and ironic. We used to know each other when we were young. But, but it makes sense that Max became, you know, a Platonist Kantian, because as you become, if you do physics and mathematics, that's and that's stay that. there, right? <laughs> Whereas I often did music and art and drugs and sex and all kinds of shit. And therefore now I'm a philosopher, which or is art form, philosophy is an art form, not a science. I'm a philosopher. But as a philosopher, of course, my perspective is different. So I'm a Hegelian, no, Nietzschean philosopher, rather than the sort of Platonist content that Bax Tegmark has become. So I'm not really worried about AI, AI at all. Mm-hmm. I embrace it completely. All right. uh, that's Finally, excellent. shit's happening and Bitcoin's taking off and everything. <laughs> this is great. This is a With- great time to learn.
2: We, uh, as a Bitcoiner, I'd like to quote Terry Pratchett about AI, uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes, and that is real stupidity beats artificial intelligence every time. And I think that that is what Bitcoin is. It's real stupidity being the last line of defense against Skynet from the from, for human oh. beings. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: but i tell you that. <laughs> AI, for all the hype around chat TPT, I'm always telling people that it's not that I'm interested in what just happened. There was nothing dramatic. It's just that, the perspective shifted. Yeah. AI awareness is suddenly a bit same, okay? People got something else, the climate to talk about. Apparently AI is now terrifying them. I'm always telling people that the real terror started on August the 6th, 1945. We created the Bob. That means humanity has already created the devil. That means history since 1945 is chasing up with the fact we created the devil and we're trying to create a god to stop the devil or push the devil back into the bottle where he got out of You know, and that's essentially history. That's why the paradigm shift happened in 1945. With everything that's happening now with the internet, I just call it the internet. With algorithms, with crypto, Bitcoin, we're going to sort that out in this conversation, obviously, and with AI next. All of these things are just results of network dynamics. Now, this is just the technological version of network dynamics. Nature is full of the very messy biological version of it. So let's talk about biological intelligence, which we hopefully have the three of us here. And then technological intelligence is something entirely different altogether. And you're absolutely right. Technological intelligence is basically tons of stupidity, but ordered stupidity. And then you put tons of electricity onto it and maybe tons of data as well. And you get something out of it. But it's nothing beyond that so far. Nothing beyond that at all. I think we have to go you know, biological with the technology to create something really is God. So when I'm saying that we're creating God at the moment, I'm saying it's a very distant God and it's going to be very, very messy before God appears.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say uh, there's a good case to be made for keeping him distant if it is God. What do you say? The the follow-up question to the invention of the bomb, do you think that the bomb would ever have been invented uh, or discovered for that matter? If the central bank hadn't preceded it uh, as a uh, --, uh, well, I, I view the central bank as being like the, the real uh, the real devil uh, here okay. and the real no, thing I think. I think, yeah. I
0: think it is, it's an internal struggle between centralization and decentralization. So I'm interested in splitting power. I think the three of us agree on this one thing.: This is great if power is split. Preferably prefer being designed ways. It cannot be unified. There are a lot of people out there called Platonists. They're called Confucians in Asia. And they love the idea of the one. And they love the idea of the one so much that they're ready to submit to a tyrant if a tyrant comes along. The problem with tyranny is not a moral one. I'm not against tyranny for moral reasons. I'm against tyranny because it's a really bad design. It's a design problem. People these days, it took seven fucking months for anybody in China to dare to tell Xi Jinping that a virus had leaked out of the laboratory in Wuhan. And those seven months, the delay caused by that killed 30 million people. That's tyranny. That's the problem with tyranny. In the new book, *Process and Event, it's my sixth book with John Sadekis, we're re-releasing all the six books. And obviously we've written about this for years and, you know, and Creating God of the Internet Age came out 10 years ago. The Global Empire came out 20 years ago. These books have said all these things all along. So we're basically just summarizing our career, saying, we told you so, you know, we're 62 years old. We're going to wine, women, and song, and drugs, and fun from now on, and basically comment on our work, because we've written our six books. But in process of event, we open the book by saying that Stalin died through starvation. He was starved to death because his doctors decided that none of us dared to go into the room and tell the old fuck. Then he's about to die because then he chops our heads off. So the last five days of Stalin's life, he starved to death. And when he had starved to death and become a corpse, totally alone, lonely, dictators always lonely, so what he, poured, they run in and turn him into God, give him a mausoleum and made him one of the Egyptians, the Egyptian pharaohs, essentially, which is like, you know, the pharaoh of the salt tuning. So the problem is tyranny and the problem is centralization. And there's this enormous desire is origin from a lot of little boys out there to submit to the one and go off into the oneness. Yep. And against that oneness, I say, but there's another way of doing, which is that multiplicity is a really great thing. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. I said, that. I don't understand my philosophy Just to start with the question: being versus nothing.
2: All right. So there are a couple of things to unpack here. Um, first of all, have you read or heard about the book The White Pill by Michael Malice? Yes. Uh, have you read it? Yes. I, 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 it it uh, depicts this very, the last days of Stalin in, in, in that same way. Yeah. And it's it, credited it, in our it's, uh, Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's a very yeah. beautiful book. I highly recommend it. Uh, it tells a very... You know, story like story about the, the the rise and fall of the Soviet Union. So that's that's very nice. The other thing is, the the thing the the thing I'd like this conversation. One of the directions I want this conversations to go is that I want to prove to you that this decentralization and multiplicity and that thing that you talk about, and the diversity of ideas and the diversity, that Bitcoin is that, and all the shit coins are paths to Stalinism. So, so I'm it's, convinced so, already, but Zach, you know I've got a lot of followers watching
0: this podcast. So let's let let's go through why Bitcoin is so fucking brilliant. You see all the possible advantages of tyranny without being tyranny. That's exactly yeah, yeah. why it's so fantastic.
2: Okay, so can I can I wa- give you the walkthrough of my my interpretation of what this thing is, and then you can d- agree and disagree, and we can have a, a conversation about that. Sure. So uh, the the first and foremost thing is, is something I call the one-shot principle, which is in, is in my second book. Uh, and I tried to put down into words uh, as short as possible why, why this can only be discovered once. Uh, so the way I put it, I call it the one-shot principle. And uh, I, 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 the, the thing I said was uh, absolute scarcity and absolute mathematical scarcity or finiteness in a sufficiently decentralized distributed network can only be, it was a discovery rather than an invention. It can only be discovered once since the very thing discovered was resistance to replicability itself, Uh, but only be discovered once by people aware of this discovery. So uh, a tribe (laughs) on like a a, marooned on an island that has no contact with the rest of civilization, they could theoretically come up with the same thing but if you're aware that this thing is, exists you you cannot you cannot uh, replicate this resistance to replicability because the very thing that you can't replicate is the network effect that you have from so so i from my perspective bitcoin is the last cryptocurrency and not the first one there there were preceding ones they didn't work they there were, are more reasons for that we can go back yeah, to them later yeah so so the other thing no, when I get the question nowadays, what what is Bitcoin? My my shortest answer is it's an agreement on a fixed set of rules, and the the yes. the a bit longer version is an br- agreement on a fixed set of rules, wherein which it's it's more expensive to people to to try to cheat than to follow the rules, which is why all the incentives lead to everyone following the rules in the long run. And I view shitcoining as cheating. And in the long run, it's more expensive. You might be able to make a quick buck, but it won't be- make you a better person and it won't save your grandchildren. So it's costlier from a strict praxeological sense, not maybe in a short-term fiat gain financial sense. But that's not what we're talking about here. No, can I just add one thing here? Just yeah. this is just a part of this. We can do this today.
0: Yeah. This is what's called game theory. And here's the brilliance with game theory. Exactly. When you are loyal to your own tribe, you stay loyal to your own tribe. I've never seen a tribe in New Guinea or the jungle of Brazil or anything that needed the police inside or the military to protect them, because it was small enough for everybody to be loyal to each other. When you go to larger populations, which you will be studying the New York process event, and when you start invent things like empire, nation, city in the Bronze Age, you have enormous problems you need to solve. And these are trust issues. Because the more trust you can create in the system, the more profitability, wealth, et cetera, you create. We know once after that all wealthy societies in the world have in common. They have long days of trust in those societies. Break down the trust chains, you get poorer, right? So the thing with game theory is that game theory is an alternative version of doing larger populations so you can stop. And because you scale up, you
2: can then have the benefit of trust. You do this artificially with Bitcoin. I, I think this is an this is an emer- emergent property of Bitcoin. So 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 when you when you actually achieve this trust in the base layer of society, you can build everything on top of that. And it's like one divided by clown world. We get we get closer to the truth all the time in Bitcoin. Further away from the truth all the time in clown world. Yeah, and, and this and the word for this it was invented in Persia three thousand
0: seven hundred years ago. It is called sociot. Social? So, a so, social is the function that suddenly enters history and changes everything forever. Oh. So, social was later translated, translated by the Jews in Babylon into Washiach, oh. which is the word Messiah. Oh, yeah, oh, nice. So, so, so <laughs> who we're talking about, we talk about something truly messianic. But social is a function. So, it's really important to understand that Persia thought of this 3,700 years ago. Zoroastrian so in Persia realized that. Everything doesn't have to be a repetition of the same. Things can happen that change the world forever. And when something happens that changes the world forever, he called it the social.
2: Yeah. I, another pet peeve of mine is to, is to fight this Bitcoin as a cult narrative and say that this is financial atheism. It's, a, it's the opposite of a cult. We're the What's only ones. What's wrong with having a cult? Yeah, yeah. Uh, fight well, for being uh, a cult. Well, I, I'm not saying there's anything <laughs> wrong with it. I'm Ooh. just saying that there's another viewpoint and there's another way of looking at this. And that is that fiat is the cult because a dollar bill or a Swedish krona, you have to believe that this is somewhat scarce. Uh, you have to take that at face value. In Bitcoin, you can verify every step. So it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's, I... like
0: the, it's like defending an old hag when you're
2: just about to marry a beautiful young woman. Okay. <laughs> That's a perfect Why analogy. would I do that? Yeah. Why would I just the old hack? You know? <laughs> so the other, the other thing about Bitcoin being the actual decentralization is that, yeah, it's an agreement on a fixed set of rules. So the, the best analogy I can come up with is the chess analogy. If you know the rules of chess, like the last time chess was changed was the passant move. Do you know that in chess when you can take a pawn? By, by, uh, that had just moved two steps forward. You can take him. Uh, and that was introduced like 1,200 years ago. And it's, uh, the game has stayed the same since, uh, which is truly fascinating. Because even today, like if, if a big chess organization came up with, oh, we're going to change the rules now, people wouldn't play by those rules. They would play by the consensus rules. So, so if you know how to play chess properly, you can play with every other chess player in the world. You can choose to play it differently. You can choose to play without pawns. You can choose to play without rooks or uh, uh, you, or as I like to say, you can choose to play with on a 64 times 64 squared board with no pieces and then you're playing chess cash or you can play chess that changes the rules with every move and then you're playing chess theorem or you can play chess where nobody knows how many pieces there really are and you're placing, playing chess narrow. And these are all the shit coins. They might be fun and you might be able to play with the five or six people, but they're not going to last. They're not built to last. This thing is built to last. So, yeah, yeah. take it I, away.
0: I, I can add one thing here. So if you had, say, a sound good skeptic who, like me, was really impressed by the Bitcoin in December, Bitcoin came out and realized this mm-hmm. is forever the future. It's going to be one of the major aspects of the Internet Society. So the skeptic would have said, Okay, but any system designed ever has always some faults, flaw, flaws that you'll discover eventually, or the technology wasn't available, or a certain thought could not have been thought yet. When I was convinced that Bitcoin wasn't AltaVista, it was Google, or more than Google, it's like, this is going to stay, right? That was when I started realizing that a lot of technologists out there, engineers basically, have looked at the flaws of the Bitcoin design and were already working through and developing technology yeah. just to, to cover those flaws. That shows how brilliant the design was from the very beginning. It's like it's like you said that like somebody built a fucking platform that was so ingeniously thought through that even if you stop building the building for a while, you realize this is going to be the biggest skyscraper ever. And well, once you realize, oh, people are building on the skyscraper. They've realized the platform works. They're not even interested in building on any of the platform. All these sort of brain power goes into this one thing. And the closest examples of it that could have been as biggest competitors have major problems, flaws that either haven't thought of one thing. So they ditch there or either haven't thought of one thing and they ditch there. So the two ditches on the side of Bitcoin is full of Nero and these others, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So Bitcoin stays very firmly in the middle and I got totally convinced when I started saying, okay, so anything I could have thought of that could have been a flaw in the design, the original design, which is fantastic, any end of those flaws can be overcome. Okay, then all brain power is going to go into Bitcoin. It is like game over yeah, yeah,
2: The Yeah, the, the game theory works on that level too. Because uh, if you think about what the consensus, like when a Bitcoin improvement proposal comes, basically the entire networks needs to agree that it's a good change for it to actually change. Which another way of saying that is that it can only become better over time because we define better by what happens in Bitcoin. So we, we... And by proxy, that means that humanity can only get better over time. And this is what I find so insanely fascinating because like, but this is the other point I want to make because I I think you'd really love this take. And that is, um, what, what is a computer? What does it do? I, I, I always say my computers, my computer identifies as non binary, but it is binary. So it's, it's, it's pretending to not be binary by showing me a picture of you now. But it's not really a picture view. It's ones and zeros in a row. So a, a, a computer is nothing but a fancy abacus. And an abacus does one thing. It helps humans with calculation. So it's, it's only an extension of our brains uh, or our brain power. And that's all it is. So all the computers used in Bitcoin, like when I run Umbrella on my Raspberry Pi, my, my node at home, is that the node? Uh, is is the little computer the node? Is the software the node, or am I the the actor who chooses to run it the node? And there's no there, there's no way around that I am the node and not not the abacus I'm using to do the calculations. And the same is true for the ASICs used in mining. the The miners are not the computers with the big fans in in this big hangar <laughs> somewhere in China or the U.S. The miner is the guy with the money. Willing to put up the money to run that thing, the one that making a conscious decision to join the network and do that. And the same is when you think about what owning a Bitcoin is, like there's a difference between owning and possession, as you know, like owning is a legal relationship. Possession is when you actually have something physically that you can physically defend. But Bitcoin is neither of that. It's just keeping a secret. So every Bitcoin exists in. Some person's head or a couple of persons' heads. So everyone in Bitcoin is Bitcoin. They are their own bitcoins, and they are the network. There is nothing differentiating like the. There's no clear line between technology and people here. Te- we, what we call technology is not really technology. It's just us doing calculations faster uh, to make this fixed set of rules agreement possible. And that's all it is. So you are your Bitcoin. You aren't your NFT because it can be copied infinitely. You have a pseudo receipt for something bullshitty. But you are your Bitcoins. And this is what I, I find so extremely fascinating. Because then you realize this is why it's unstoppable. Because it is us. If, if we've found a, a person that has found that we can conduct our relations with each other in this way, in this peaceful, voluntary, consensual way... Everyone who's realized that that is possible now is going to hop onto that train because it's way better than violence. If you understand Austrian economics and if, if you understand the reality of human action and why people do st- stuff at all, there's just no going back here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure violence will disappear, though. I would disagree am no, no, that. I'm not, I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying that anyone who could choose to profit from a non-violent way would... Uh, like even people who are in- inherently violent will cho- will choose uh, if what violence is always costly. There's always a risk involved, and if it's a... violence
0: principle. can also be beyond speculation or calculation for that matter. So the problem is we're dealing with human beings. Human beings are human beings are, human beings are three meta narratives. This is logos we're talking about here: the zeros and ones of the world, and we're using zeros and ones ourselves So we make calculations, for example. Then there's the mythos. We can leave that aside for now. And the third one is the pathos. Pathos is feelings, blood, you know, horny, being horny, angry, sad, whatever, hormones. Everything that runs through your system are part of the pathos. And machines do not do pathos at all. They don't do it all. They're strictly the logos that put electricity through them and they calculate the zeroes and ones. They can now, because of the complexity of the zeroes and ones, also give what. Eat the things, which is the break with AI at the moment. You can give weight to and you could decide that you're gonna give attention and process something rather than something else. But it's still down to zeros and well. ones. It's just the complexity of mathematics you start using as mathematics get gets more complex. You can, you can use more all the power of mathematics, it could be just zeros and well. ones. Still zeros and well, ones, still the logos. The perfection of the logos is what the internet will do in AI and things, shit like that. And Bitcoin. And because the Bitcoin being creates is a very very solid basic platform
2: for value communication. Yeah, that's so what it does. Which is that Bitcoin only uses the logos to calculate, so we can get to the ethos and the pathos, like that, so, so they can enable that between people. So the logo, the logos is just a small small part of it. The the people uh, in it are that's what important and what they do and how they uh, how they choose to interact freely on a free market, like. Making this libertarian world possible, to a certain extent at least, uh, it, it's going to be a slow burn. It's going to take a couple of generations, uh, if not a hundred generations. But but seeing the start of this in our lifetime, that's that's like to me, it's bigger than the it's supposed a the mo- yeah. moon landings.
0: paradigm shift. So like old paradigm shifts, look for where the cracks in the system are. So the cracks in the system are places like El Salvador, for example, and that's where you see the first openings because. The, the, the very places in the world of fiat cars is at its weakest. And it's very weak in many places around the planet, you know. The fiat cars we created to accumulate wealth in certain places of the world and basically ruthlessly explore, exploit the others or so do nothing with them and ignore them. Uh, and the cracks in the system are found in these places. And, and when those cracks are found, I think, for example, right now, the Swiss are pressured by banks in Panama, Dubai, to accept Bitcoin standards and then go up against the Federal Reserve. And got up against the Federal Reserve and the dollar domination of the world. And all it takes right now, I think the Swiss are sitting and waiting to see what people in Dubai and Panama are doing. And then when the next dollar crash comes, and it always comes sooner or later when the dollar is overvalued and people realize that actually the American government is just spending money they don't have. And most of the dollars have been bought by the Chinese. You know, when people discover the next time that, that happens and the dollar crashes, that's probably the time that the Swiss will join the Panamanians and the Dubaiers and decide that, okay. America's have no say over us. There's now enough wealthy people on the planet who like to move their money as freely as they like to do the different accounts. Because what's happening at the moment is mm-hmm. that the central banks have gone so much into regulation after 2014 that they've overregulated finance completely. I, ha- I have these wealthy people calling me now saying that, what the fuck's happening? I just wanted to move money between me and my daughter's fucking bank accounts mm-hmm. and the fucking police calling. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you know, if they can become Chinese communists, politicians will become Chinese communists. If a bank manager can become a Chinese communist, he will become a Chinese communist. They will never say no to a power they think they can have. What they don't realize is that they're overreaching now through technology immensely. And this means that it's actually the wealthy people of the planet who will join together and become pro-decentralization.
2: Just to keep their fucking wealth. You know, that's what they'll do. Yeah, but they... Will lead the rest of the frog eventually, I'm yeah, sure. Exactly. Like As It's
0: uh, always about the leads leading. And then, what the rest of humanity will do if they're smart is that they will look at best practice. Oh, what? My neighbor did that. My neighbor got Bitcoin. It was actually helpful and it worked. I don't get Bitcoin. I'll go over and ask my neighbor. Oh, my neighbor charges me for introduce me to get a Bitcoin wallet. Good. I'll pay for it. I'm going to consult it.
2: And off you go. You got a fucking mortgage. Speaking of this, uh, like a nation states and stuff, like the, the way I see it, there's there's Bitcoin and then there's custodial Bitcoin, and they're vastly different. And a nation state can only hold custodial Bitcoin, really. You can't have a nation with a multisig of a million keys. And when you have 51% of them unlocks the Bitcoin, that will never work. So you, you have to have them custodial. And that's why corporations and nations, they don't really have the Bitcoins. They have some some ownership of them by some contract. But there's still some guy somewhere that has the bitcoins in the sense that he holds the keys, that he's keeping the secret and he can fuck off at any any point in time. This is what changes the dynamics of violence so, so vastly as well. Like If I point a gun to your head and say, Alexander, give me all your bitcoins, you, you can give me a, a, a small, small part of them, but I can never know as the attacker how many you still have left. It, and that is true for every person I threaten in the world. So like nation states trying to 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 kill this thing, it's just impossible. It's just going to make people more and more resilient the, the, every time t- they try. That's, that's why the, the property bar to the key of Ukraine started working right before the war.
0: What happened was that Kia was absolutely placed. You you would go there. You would see a huge apartment in central Kia, seven rooms. And you get the key to the apartment and you pay like $30,000 for it. And the next day, somebody came with a gun and said, I'm going to have your apartment. You're not going to get your money, man. Until Bitcoin came along and Kia became the first city in the world where Bitcoin was introduced to control the property market, meaning I paid, instead of paying dollars, I paid the same amount in Bitcoin. I got my apartment and nobody could take it away from me. Now, this is what I mean with, let's find the cracks in the system. Cracks in the system are places like Ukraine before the war. It would probably be Ukraine after the war, because the Ukrainians know already how much they can benefit from having Bitcoin within their social system. And the same thing goes to Central America. Places like Honduras, El Salvador interesting. Why, do bank, why, why does banking move from Switzerland to Panama? Because the Panamanians are ready to take the fight in the Americas, so and the Swiss are not yet. You know, it's like... It is. We're setting it up as a war between centralization and decentralization.
2: Yeah, it, big point spe- core to that. Speaking of nation states and democracies and all this, you're a part of the Sammling, which is sort of the most libertarian party in in Sweden. And I'm yeah, curious. a, a member
0: of a new political party, four thousand members. Then going to fold politics and let politics die.
2: You yeah, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm interested in how you're going to do that as a political party, though, because like. To me, uh, a libertarian political party is sort of oxymoronic. Yeah, we, yeah, we listen, can... we don't have to win elections. Technology will do the work for us. The question is, will
0: technology kill politics mercilessly or will technology kill politics slowly? I'm deeply involved in the oppositions in Russia and Iran at the moment. I'm, I'm incredibly interested in getting rid of Putin. I'm incredibly interested in getting rid of the mullahs in Iran. These are like hard causes for me. I've been working in Russia for years and I'm a converted Zoroastrian. meaning I'm a Persian philosopher. No, these things are dear to me, but the way to do it is, of course, to try to find out a way, where well, whatever they do, they can't even be part of the new solution. It's the same thing with democracy. Democracy is dead and over. It's gone completely ironic. Yeah, and it's in a book, inherently In a book called The Death 23 years ago, Jan Sadekis, <laughs> I wrote in Chapter 6, that in a short time span, Americans will pick and elect a reality TV show star as their president. It's like Paris in 1789, and you're in the streets of Paris, and you know this is the new, and you know the force is there because everybody around you can read, write, count, yeah. okay? And you know that all the proofs out there in Versailles, the nobility, and, 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 and the church, and the monarchy, none of them can read, write, or count, but they're living at your expense, and you fucking hate them. And you just want to send the guillotine there to kill them, right? So you're making a guillotine because you've got the fucking internet, so you know how to make a guillotine, right? And then somebody next to you says that, yeah, but, you know, we, we don't have any power here in the seats of Paris. The power is still with the monarch in Versailles. So how are you going to convince the monarch that the revolution is a good idea? And you just go, you don't get it, do you? We got to go out there and kill him. Yes. That's where politics is today. And that's where yeah. academia is today. That's where mass media is today. This is where fucking... You know, capitalism is in the sense that advertising is dead and over. Get out. That's crony capitalism.
2: That's crony capitalism.
0: Yeah. What capitalism is, capitalism is now not the beginning. Capitalism is at the bottom of a whole new system we call attentionalism. So attention, what do you give your attention to is the only game left. Because if I don't give you attention, you cannot even communicate with me. You don't even reach me. I'm not interested in what you do. You can't sell anything to me. So for capitalism to happen, capitalism has to go toughest. Tip to why I love the Bitcoin calls, because Bitcoin has a loyal following of tens of thousands of people. I'm going to live, you know, and grow a ton in Honduras this fall. I'm an anthropologist. I live with you guys because I want to figure out people are attracting these ideas. Why are they the pioneers? And I just think of you guys as like the first guys who went across the Atlantic when America was discovered. And of course, you became the winners, right? Yes. It's a shame <laughs> thing here. It's an exodus. It's an exodus out of Seattle into Bitcoin. That's what it is.
2: Yeah. And uh, glad to have you on board the Santa Maria to, to this new continent. right? We, we, yeah. we know how to meme and we know what I, I call being in Bitcoin, living the meme. Because that's basically what I'm doing at this point. Everything yeah. we meme about become a reality at some sooner or
1: later. So you have to be careful with your memes, because-, <laughs> because they all come true at some point. Today's show is brought to you by our sponsors. First up, Orange Pill App. Stack friends who stack stats. Meet like-minded Bitcoiners near you and speed up hyperbitcoinization with Orange Pill App. Bitcoin isn't an online-only phenomenon and Orangebill app helps facilitate the social layer, connecting Bitcoiners in their local area. The best part is it maintains your privacy through the whole process. And since you have to subscribe to access the app, you know that everyone there is high signal and cares about Bitcoin. A great new feature is events. You can now create local events and meetups right from the Orangebill app to help build your local community while maintaining the Bitcoin only signal. OrangePill app is available on iOS and Android. Download now. Next up, Wasabi Wallet. An open source, non-custodial desktop Bitcoin wallet that is trustless, easy to use, and affordable. It has CoinJoin built in to facilitate your privacy. Every Bitcoin transaction leaves a clear footprint. But with Wasabi, you can make sure that others can't track your steps and threaten your sovereignty. Just send your coins to Wasabi, wait, and your coins will be private on the other end. It's open source, trustless by design, and non-custodial. You have full control over your keys. Check it out now at wasabiwallet.io. Double check that link. That's wasabiwallet.io.
0: So can, yeah. I, can I ask a question here? I'm interested in. In what way does Bitcoin relate to the other two giants of the internet, which are the algorithms and AI? What is the relationship between Bitcoin as a fantastic new technology, which is truly a paradigm shift to value communication, the most radical shift ever? What, what is its relation to the world of the algorithms and to the world of the app?
2: The way I see it, Bitcoin is not first and foremost a part of the Internet that is giving it too little credit. It's, it's something, it's a way for, for, for people to conduct, you know, their affairs with one another without these other systems and without the AIs and without the algorithms, like we, we can supersede that now and we can provide each other with value and get something that we know is going to to keep its value over time in return. And what's what's going on with the internet, like AI is super fascinating. And I, I love using chat GPT, but what I don't think, like the real hurdle that AI will not surpass in probably in our lifetimes, is real creativity. I mean, it, it can it can use everything, every song John Lennon ever wrote and every recording he ever made and make a perfect replica of a John Lennon song. But it can't have John Lennon's uh, childhood. And it can't have Yoko Ono. And it can't have Paul and, and George and Ringo. Uh, it, it can't have the, what made him great in the first place? It can just it keys. is
0: it is nothing but in Dutch so, yeah.
2: so far, and and that is just you know, it's basically just my Commodore sixty four being faster, and it's it's very little more than that. It's ex- extremely powerful in itself, but it's not it's not this revolution in intelligence calling it intelligence is is wrong in my opinion it's not intelligence because to me intelligence has to have a a portion of creativity into, into it intelligence is not what they taught you in school in sweden that you have to do a you know group work and write this amount of papers about this bullshit that no one's interested in and everyone else is doing the same thing i mean if you're a straight a student in public school you ex- excelled at being average and um, and that's not intelligence at all. Like intelligence is not what yeah, it's it's, told. Like, it's like if if we put a lot of prejudices out of
0: the internet in the last ten years, then AI is going to be nothing but those prejudices recycled. That's what a- it is exactly. Yeah. That's why probably Google didn't enter the race it because they expect OpenAI to get
2: sued by a lot of people. Oh, so, I think they're in yes, the race. Yes, I think yes. they're in the race already. Yeah, exactly. I think they've been for a long time. Uh, uh, and what was the other thing? AI and, uh, and the algorithms, the algorithms. Two sides of the same coin. The algorithms is the same thing. We can still, to some extent, choose to which extent we allow ourselves to be manipulated by them. Noster is a great escape from that, from the algorithms. Algorithms in themselves do not manipulate
0: you. No, no. This This is where the old institutions, you have to remember that we have a Versailles to deal with, right? What politics tries to do is to manipulate the algorithms. That's politics. Okay? What commercialism you know, the bad part crony capitalism tries to do is to corrupt the algorithms. It tries to corrupt the algorithms. And then the third aspect of that is that what academia and mass media try to do is to conform the algorithms because it's terrified of anything exceptional and stands out, like Bitcoin, for example. So so conformation, manipulation, and corruption are the problems involved here because the old elites are three elites, and they try to use their weapons. The algorithms themselves do none of this. The algorithm itself reflects you, and it's free and open. And if it's not, change the fucking algorithm. Go for an algorithm that reflects you and your desires, which is that it reflects you and your past and people who are like you to give you preferences. And then, preferably, you throw in an element of randomness to it as well. Otherwise, you just repeat yourself. That's you're where describing, intelligence you're, starts, describing,
2: right? you're describing Noster and the Noster movement. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's it is a movement out of this old paradigm, and having these zaps included in it, it's almost it's almost like you feel guilty if you just press the like button when you can shoot like twenty one sets to someone, like the, yeah, a fraction of a of a, of a cent. And when you, when you have that power and when people have that power, the thing is, this is going to play out over uh, many, many years. And the rest of the world, the normies, as we call them, will see Bitcoiners and people on Noster thrive and being able to like, supersede the rest of the world and being able to do what they want, basically. We call them
0: netocrats in our
2: box. Uh, I'm curious as right. to how you found me, by the way. Uh, because I'm doing
0: anthropology and Bitcoin communities around the world, and my team are basically looking at the entire planet to see where Bitcoin communities are popping up at the moment. So I've, I've been very involved with the Crypto Anarchy Institute in Prague for several years. Definitely. The book, The Nectocrats, inspired Rick Falking, and she be profounding for founding the Pirate Yeah, Putin. yeah. He, but was since, great. he was great. And ever since to, and I were um, <laughs> there together like 20 years ago, we're sort of part of the pantheon, like we were the thinkers of these revolutions. That was the Pirate Movement back then. It became the Bitcoin Movement today. So that's, it, it's the same type of people. And then suddenly there are technological breakthroughs that change everything forever. And then the giants wake up. And the giants wake up and see if their interests are threatened. Yes. And then they threaten guys like us with violence and shit. Yeah. that. which is because, what's happening right
2: now. Yeah, mm. which is what we call paradigm shifts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Falkring, well, what's he doing these days? He turned into like he uh, he ended up in the wrong camp in the fork that convinced me of Bitcoin's superiority. Uh, where uh, he, uh, he ended made up money from Bitcoin—that's for sure. He
0: he's yeah he's, yeah he's, but just he went... a recluse in
2: Germany these days. Uh, yeah yeah he became a Bitcoin cash guy in 2017. Okay, yeah. okay. So the, the, these uh, were, the cults are different. The cults are always different. What, yeah, yeah. You you <laughs> can call it that as much as you want. Like, I, uh, I, I don't, can give you an argument. I don't mind the culture. Everything <laughs> starts with the cults. I don't, I don't mind it either. Uh, the
0: Hebrews leaving sure. Egypt was a fucking cult. Is that the point? <laughs> and they said, okay, who's with us? Because <laughs> we're the new thing. Right. You want to stay fucking Egypt and be slave forever? Or do you want to leave and start somewhere <laughs> else? And the people are the fresh punk grew the world. You know, it starts with the cult. Everything starts with the cult. So instead of the sovereign individual, if i would written that book, I would have called the book, The Sovereign Tribe." All right. Because I don't uh, do yeah. individualism. I do tribalism. I think people do things together. How do you, you square that with
2: libertarianism, though? I'm not a libertarian.
0: I'm a yeah. tribalist. All right, then. <laughs> I believe in splitting power before you construct anything. So I think the U.S. Constitution is fantastic. It will probably save the United States once more against Communist China because it institutes the splitting of power. And it has to be split along the imaginary and the symbolic and the real. Because imaginary and the symbolic and the real how people, how human beings perceive the world. Because they perceive the world in three different ways. You will have three different power structures eventually in any stable system. So once you go through a paradigm and the paradigm established itself, you realize what it's all about. You will discover that the imaginary takes a new form, the symbolic takes a new form, and the real takes a new form. And what I'm interested in here is what role Bitcoin will have in the value communication between these, which of course is of intense interest. It certainly will be Bitcoin driven. I'm
2: completely convinced of that. Excellent. Uh, Which is your favorite founding father? Uh, who is your favorite founding father? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. They're all Freemasons, by the way. So
0: the American religion is Freemasonry, which is leads all the way back to the Persians. There
2: you go. Yeah. I love the uh, the Franklin quotes. Uh, Any society will give up a little freedom for a little temporary security will uh, deserve neither and lose both. Yeah.
0: I think libertarians are shamanoids. And shamanoids are pioneers. The problem is that <laughs> shamanoids <they>, the <laughs> proportional yeah. This is this is date anthropology. I'll give you a few key keys. All right. Here. So all right, all 92% of the human population are regular gels and gels. 92%, right? 4% of any human population are androgynous. We call them LGBT people or queer people or whatever. And the remaining 4% are shamanoids. So this was discovered in sexology, interesting enough, in the 1960s, 1970s, it turned out some people didn't even get the question of what sexual orientation is because they were like, I think it turned out by just about anything, who cares? Yeah. So the shamanoid are borderless and limitless, and, and 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 what they do is that the shamanoid live outside the tribes and walk in between the tribes. So the shamanoid, they called shamanoid because the shamanoid basically have a monopoly on Communication, hey, bitcoins, communication with the outside world. So, what you do when you live in the tribe is that you basically have a membrane around the tribe. You have to have a membrane, You're intelligent. You have to get nutrition in, you have to get shit out. Okay, otherwise you don't survive. Inside the membrane at the center, you have what's called the inner, the inner circuit, which is basically a matriarchy, it's basically women and children. You have an outer circuit, which is basically men, which is the patriarchy, with the men, where you go hunting, you go to war. it an Between those two, in that borderland, you have the drudges. That's why I always tell people that the gay guys are the ones who fix your wife's hair, and this yeah, the lesbian women are the ones you go hunting with, and they shoot and most before you even get your fucking gun up, right? So, so they're they're brilliant because they go between. Shannenotes are between in the same way, but between tribes, just skip the whole sexual connotation here, except the shamanoids fuck more than anybody else, but that's a different story. But the shamanoid are men and women who go between tribes. And I've seen this line in New Guinea, in the Brazilian jungle. It's just, they go to work, they literally kill each other on the Sunday afternoon. They don't play football, they do kill each other. But the shamanoids, they just go straight (laughs) through the field and nobody shoots at them. But they are obviously the peaceful communication between tribes, even at work. Now, once you got a monopoly talking to strangers, and nobody else is allowed to talk uh, to strangers. A monopoly on what? You, you, if you have a monopoly on talking to the outside world. Oh, talking to if, the outside if, world. If We okay. you are from a, we top, lost you there there for a while. you kill any stranger you meet, right? You kill them, right? Because yeah. otherwise they kill you. Now, if you are the kind of guy who completely demilitarizes anything you deal with when you deal with strangers, because they are go-betweens, the shadow would go between tracks. So they're born to be going between tribes and born to be independent in the wilderness and to care of themselves in the wilderness. That's why monasteries are located in the wilderness, right? Yes. So the shaman are the go-betweens. Now, if you've got a monopoly on communicating with strangers, you've got a monopoly on communicating with the forefathers, with the gods, with the demons, with anything else out there. So, probably you take tons of drugs and put in the fucking costume, and then you tell people what God just said to you.
2: H- hence the shaman b- b- yeah. parts so of the way.
0: Bitcoin word. people today are vastly shamanoid. It's not 4% of the Bitcoin population. When I study you guys, I discover, oh my God, it's more like at least 40% of you guys. And some of them are a little bit autistic or whatever, but 40% are shamanoid. Like they are so libertarian, so freedom loving. They just want to get out in the wilderness. So they go to countries like El Salvador and set up new businesses and do introduce Bitcoin to corrupt old third world governments, and suddenly it seems to work. You're perfect because you're finding the cracks in the old system by nature. It's like you love living in Panama. Like right? that makes sense because these territories we're looking at now are the new shamanoid territories where this experimentation takes place. The connecting place where you guys will do business eventually are places like Dubai, Switzerland, and Panama. And then the fiat currency world, which is like America, Europe, China, whatever, you don't even need it. Nope. They will need you. Yeah, yeah. Because she went ahead. So this is why I'm saying this is like the this is like the Hebrews in Egypt. It's an exodus. It's an exodus out of a former paradigm into a new one. And this is exactly what I'm saying that keep the fucking algorithms free and open. You just explained it's already happening. Brilliant. Keep the algorithms free from manipulation and corruption and conformation keep them free from those systems. keep them yours. If you keep the algorithm yours, I think the ultimate coin is algorithm on one side and Bitcoin on the other, meaning blockchain on the other. So if you got blockchain on one side of a coin, algorithm time on the other, chain.
2: that's truth. Trust. Well, that's a time chain and Noster. It's Bitcoin and Noster. It's that, truth. Is, that is it. It's truth. It's the most valuable thing that exists. It's truth. Yeah. And
0: that's, that's what Bitcoin is. Yeah, it's truth. undisputable truth. And we never had that before in Con- large consensual populations. Consensual truth. Like which, yeah. We only experienced truth in small populations and then anything beyond that was, was compromise on truth or a pollution of truth, whatever, the best we could do before we went to war, started losing each other again. The problem is the problem is always larger populations with human beings. Now it's possible to create systems, even empires of large populations of human beings that can explore, do their own thing, yeah. uncompromisingly so. Peacefully, yeah.
2: exactly. It's exactly. one of the fucking biggest revolutions ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and it's gonna, it's gonna propel everything forward so fast. Like yeah. it's, yeah, it's gonna change everything. Absolutely. But see how,
0: but see how I know that I see technology developing so quickly, and so many people are on board, and, the, the, and that's why I love the big cults. I don't have a problem at all. This going religious. I think it should be because then people are willing to die for this idea. Brilliant. Okay, because it's that good. Okay. Now, if that's the case, then. Any flaw that pops up because the chest isn't really nailed yet will solve solved very quickly by technologists who understand the magic of Bitcoin. I'm convinced of that since the last three years. If I was a skeptic before that, this was the only flaw I saw was that it couldn't solve its own flaws in enough time. Therefore, not the standard it could be given a chance that it imitated Bitcoin, but could improve on it. I don't think it's going to happen at all. I think the standard is well enough. It's good enough. Ask the platform to build guy's skyscraper out, undoubtedly
2: so. Yeah. And for, for instance, the the threat of quantum computing that people uh, bring up every now and then, then Bitcoin has at least 10 minutes to fix the problem. The rest of the banking system does not. It will just crumble and fall. If sh- We have sh- solved to fi- that problem already. Right yeah, yeah. That problem has been <laughs> solved already. Yeah. Solved it's already. just an example of how much the, the rest of the world is much more fragile than Bitcoin is. And everything in computers is much more fragile than Bitcoin. This is the most robust thing there is. Uh, yeah. Uh, Where to go? What, what did you think about the book?
0: By the way. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'd i would comment on it. When you read my books. It's another. All podcast. right. All right, <laughs> all right. All right. Excellent. Excellent. We'll do another one I'm after I'm my philosophy in a like. Listen, if you haven't studied BARDIS, if you haven't studied Hegel, then you can't even discuss with me. It's embarrassing. Go back and do the work. Like All sh- right. Kids these days I, I, come I need up to. to you and they sound so fucking smart. Then you look yeah. at them and said, no, you just surfed the internet and you just been a lot of Wikipedia. But actually, when I give you a test question to see if you read the books or not, you haven't. That means you have no depth to your analysis. I tell all my students today, the best thing you could invest time in today, speaking of being solid like Bitcoin, is to read books. Yes, you have to. There's no way to get to wisdom. There's no shortcut. No six. Name dropping won't pay off. Name dropping will be discovered so quickly in the next few years that you'll be exposed instead of like oh oh, oh you you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't done the work, as you say. <laughs> yeah, so the door has to be done. So, but I can explain what it's about. So what John said to Chris that I, Davey, wrote the six books is that the first three books we started playing around with the idea that a paradigm shift was happening. And the internet was a, the most radical revolution ever. and with this we include Bitcoin. Bitcoin is just one aspect of the internet. basically the internet swallows everything. The first book, the Netocrats came out two thousand. it was prophetic. We could then decide to go for coffee table books and bestsellers and sell books because we sold the world. We sold hundreds of thousands of copies of the Democrats right nice so, yes, even good. so that's a lot yeah. It we got big in places like India and South Africa, Russia, rather than America, which I thought was refreshing because everybody else aims for America. Anyway, 2003, we released our second book, The Global Empire, and we decided to go real deep. So it's a difficult book. It's real philosophy, authentic philosophy, right? really deep shit, right? Why we did write that book in 2003 is that we realized that we could actually do this. Pursue this, we're going to go more narrow and go deeper rather than becoming bestsellers and enjoy the same or whatever. I'd be the rock star before, you know, I'm done, right? And John agreed with me. Let's go deep. The global empire has been widely misunderstood as expected. We've been warned about it moving forward. But the global empire basically says there's a planet, planet Earth. There's network dynamics. And we know network dynamic works. It's just just a network of nodes that gets you out of an anarchy and moves into some ordered system. Network dynamics is here, right? If you put the network dynamics onto a planet, we don't have a word for that. We suggest the term the global empire. Please note here the global empire is strictly technological. Technology is going towards the one. Technology is no reason at all not to be one. If we all have a little guardian angel called an AI sitting here, our adults, next to us in a year from now, all the garden angels will be connecting one another into one. So the problem here is the they're the one. It's time to speak monetism properly rather than just politics in the air. That's we laid out of the global empire 2003. People are smart now who see AI happening. They read Stephen Wall, from another genius, by the way. It's parallel with us. They realized they go all the way back to that from 2003 because we laid it out of that book. We laid out the dynamics of eternalism and globalism. We laid out some analogy. We laid out how human beings actually operate. We laid out how we go for a before we go for anything else. You know, we laid out basically what we're doing now in detail. And they even wrote a book called The Modern Machines in 2009. And that's the death of the individual. You'd hate to hear this as a libertarian, but actually we killed the individual in that book. We just say we're all tribal beings and we're very schizoid. So that's okay. But anyway, after that, we decided to go for a new trilogy. And that's the one we're completing this year. synthesis created God on the Internet, age 2, 2014. is the first book about the future. First about the future. Second book, Digital Libido. Six power and bias of the Decor Society, messy, apocalyptic. It's going to get really messy now. We all know that, right? Escape to Honduras while you can. That's the second book, 2018. The third book coming up this year, process event, rewrites all of history until then. As if the whole point was that AI lost to in the internet would rise. As if everything we ever did for the last 10,000 years, aimed at this direction. And that's the book coming up this year. And then we're finished. All right, uh, so we just gonna comment on our work. So now you know about the six books. We wrote them, and my partner said it, they're gonna have a fan, live in Tuscany, bring tons of wine, and maybe take tons of drugs or so whatever, have fun, and basically, <laughs> just <laughs> comment on our work, which I'm doing at the moment here in this beautiful
2: podcast. So they, that's nice. Uh, the, the the thing about the shamanoids, or what's that? The, what do you call them? Shamanoids. The yeah, shamanic
0: yeah. cast. Shamanoids uh, are four uh, percent of any given human population anywhere in the world.
2: All right uh, the the um my my dear friend uh, dr joni appleberg who makes the uh, animations for my little bitcoin thoughts uh usually uh he's uh studied psychedelics and, and bitcoin and he found some interesting parallels in that, that oh, now also, it gets interesting now they they, they open up Pathways in the brain that weren't there before, in the same manner as psychedelics does. So, like psychedelics, you can hear uh, hear colors and and see sounds and, and such. And time works differently. Bitcoin is the same thing. He'll, uh, you you get a new concept of time. Like, is time really something that we that it can be objectively observed, observed, or that we have to like uh, like Gigi writes that Bitcoin is time that we decide what time is by what goes on in the time chain. And we can we can like sink towards that and and like all the other all the well, other different pathways the creation of history yeah so so all the other pathways this the Bitcoin rabbit hole provides you with uh, this whole notion that you are your bitcoins and all all of this it's all very new agey and hippie ish uh, but it 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 Bitcoin sort of arrives at all of those conclusions by being as Rigorous as possible along the way, which is so fascinating. So you get into these, you know, almost shamanistic insights about the nature of humanity by just not uh, believing in anything, but just verifying every step and doing logical deduction all the way. And that's
0: why it is the the log. It's nothing to a pathos and mythos and. I always recommend people before they start starting the big community to watch out. Not everybody has a good sex life. Only trust people mm-hmm. have have good sex life. If they don't have a good sex life, they're too much in the logos, have forgot them about the pathos, can't get the mythos together and the idea that you and Very good most. advice. Yeah. Very good and advice. And basically they're autistic. So, so, you know, be a full human being. <laughs> do I think it's thin agrees with that series. It's like, you be think, a full human being. Be full do human you human think being.
2: you can have a good sex life with... uh only one partner. Do you think you can have a monogamous good sex life or does it require more than one partner?
0: I, I don't understand. You said <laughs> monogamy.
2: What does that word mean? I know. I know you're an advocate it. sounds incredibly for it. boring. Yeah. it exactly. means. Well, it depends. I would say if you've done polygamy for uh, 15 years straight and you want to try something else, I recommend monogamy for a while. Oh God, how boring is <laughs>
0: What are you gonna do? Go for celibacy bits in that?
2: Maybe. Why not? Oh, why? I like trying new things. What? It's not new. Oh, it's just I'll... denial. <laughs> <laughs> this How, depends. Tragic. I... How tragic. No, I think that depends very much on who you are and what your preferences are and what your priorities are in life. Like uh, That's true. That's yeah. true. Okay, so... okay.
0: So like any truth, monogamy is a very temporary phenomenon. Finn, what do you say? We get Finn into this conversation. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think this is where Finn comes on. Finn. <laughs> as <laughs> as as yeah, 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 perfect. Uh, hey, so no, this has been a, a fantastic uh, conversation. I had no idea where this was, was going to go because... Uh, uh, I still I have no idea where it's going. Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll give it an initial thought here. So everything you're talking about, about um, the shamanoid and, and uh, the in- internal structures of society, this has been super interesting to me my uh uh i've i've dabbled in uh shamanoid type stuff as in uh, i i i did um uh reconstructive religion uh especially scandinavian and some some Finnic stuff for for a few years and and i think what i was trying to explore there was what is the the insight and the 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 knowledge and wisdom that was in that system of beliefs that got over uh, shadowed by Christianity, monogamous religion, that sort of thing. And I found a few. I found a few things there. That's that's a it's a tangent, definitely. Uh, maybe maybe I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it another time. But I've got friends in Finland. You need to see Finn. Sounds good. Sounds, yes, yes, yes.
0: Finland is boiling with these ideas. So yeah, <laughs> drop me. Drop the email address. Hopefully, it can drop it to me afterwards. So I, I I just had a, I had a conversation with you before this, but it's the first time I meet here. So yeah, sure, hey, go, ahead, yes. go ahead.
1: Sounds great. GMO, yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate
2: yeah. uh, the, kind of that Finn, connection. Finn, Finn is called Luke and his B2C pseudofin on uh, on Twitter.
1: All right. I, I call him so, Finn
0: because Canadian living in cinema. So that's why I call yeah. him C. Yeah. I
1: appreciate yeah. that, by the that's way. That's a good yeah. name. Luke, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I'm doing my, my best to share the impression. So so I, I, I'll take that as a compliment. Um, the So uh, what, what I was looking at in kind of those areas and, and what I kind of uh, found was that uh, the the monogamous religions was were, were trying to um, suppress this shamanoid type stuff, and and of course you you have Sufi and and uh, other uh, traditions of mysticism within the monogamous religions, but they they really pushed that down. And the uh, there they are Finnish examples, but the Scandinavian example from shamanism is is Odin, who who I I identified with quite greatly for for a while because of the the story of a sacrifice I've told uh the story of wooden hanging on uh, uh the world tree uh, on this podcast before I won't say it again quite now but but the idea is he he, he sacrificed himself to himself to discover the runes and so I'm getting down to all of this what is your take on on the role of uh this kind of uh uh, monotheistic religion and how that has shaped history over the last century or so?
0: I would say as a and I'm a syntheologist, I think technology should be done theologically speaking. Um, I would say that the, um, it's not monotheism itself that's the problem here. It's, it's the popularity of Christianity in Islam was because they were perfect for a feudal society. So that's how Putin is still... The only Putin and the Islamists are the only guys left defending it because it's feudal. So the problem with Putin is that his ideas are 600 years old, two paradigms of past time to wake up, Mr. Just like that's what it is. It's the same thing with Islamists in Syria and Iraq. So I converted to Zoroastrianism, which invented monotheism. But Zoroastrianism invented it in a very clever way. To begin with, the mono is split. It hasn't been split. It's split in three. It was inherited in older versions of the Trinity Christianity. It was certainly inherited by Judaism, but as the three siblings, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam leading the Exodus. But what it is actually is that it's the, the will to intelligence is separated from the will to transcendence. So Nietzsche is right about the will to power, but the will to power must be split. It's the willingness or eagerness to learn and to learn more and more. And the will to transcendence is the eagerness to use what you learned to create something novel that never existed before. And of course, the AI can do will to intelligence and assist it, but it cannot do will to transcendence, for example. So this is split in Zoroastrianism, in the Ahura and the Master. The Master is mind and the Ahura is being. So it's a religion that has no supernatural entities whatsoever. What I didn't discover when I started doing this, I converted in 1996, I started both Buddhism and Taoism in Maryland, was that I discovered that these three rich, rich traditions, Buddhism, Taoism, and Rastas will survive. Islam and Christianity will go into sort of supernova states of fundamentalism before they implode and die. And the reason is simple. We can no longer have religions that don't believe the death is the absolute. We cannot have religions that are so fucking childish that They run around telling us about eternal life, so lives after death, because so, that was just the biggest ever. You told people in the church or the mosque oh, if you work hard this week as a slave to your master, you get to go to heaven. Hinduism. Biggest it. lie ever, <laughs> yeah, right? Same that thing. That lies finally totally exposed. And there's nothing left of Christianity and Islam because they're completely built on that assumption. Without that assumption, there's nothing there. Christianity and Islam were forced onto people as slave mentality, Nietzsche calls them. And they're all over. And Christianity is literally dying as so a speech, right? So that's what's happening. I think death is the absolute, has to be the starting point. Like everything a date when it's overdone with, and that's the point. And because that's date when it's overdone with, it has, does you, draw.
2: Can I just make a point? I'm so happy that you say this, Alexander, because there's a whole chapter on this in my Everything Divided by 21 Million book uh, on morality that Bitcoin is perfect money because it reflects the scarcity of a human lifetime perfectly. Uh, and if 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 you had an entity that was indestructible and could live forever, that entity would never act because it could always postpone everything to the day after. So so the a, a prerequisite for human action uh, or any action, uh, deliberate uh, made out of free will, uh, which we can have another debate on uh, another time. Uh, there's a necessity for life to be scarce in order for anyone to do anything.
0: Yeah, like, and freedom You have nothing to do with
2: each other. You no, the no, okay, right but now. but the, the whole the whole thing is uh th- that's what gives it value. And that's why something scarce is valuable.
1: Like that's what motivates us to do stuff at all. So so that's yeah. the basic premise. The um only follow-up to this entire thing that I, I wanted to tie this back into was the the what do you see as the significance of the this shamanoid group? having some freedom now that the, uh, the forces that are acting against this shamanoid uh, are, are not quite so powerful anymore.
0: Well, if you can, you can do what you want, you will do so. And that's exactly why all the people that talk to the Bitcoin community have gone global. So, again, titled 20 years ago the global empire, that means that the first people who identified themselves as global and would be nomads are going to be the winners. The people somewhere that are attached to a certain place are going to end up losers. So it's not even somewheres and anywheres. It's somewheres, anywheres, and everywheres. The everywheres are coming now. I think Bitcoin is the opening of the door to the everywheres because before this, it was the war between the anywheres and the somewheres, which is the culture war. But actually, the everywheres have escaped the culture world together. They're not interested in it. perfectly shamanoid behavior.
2: That's us, that's us. Yeah, to study right now, this is
0: why we do, the new book is an exodology. So it's a book on how you conduct an exodus. An exodus can either be done territorially or it can be done virtually, meaning can be done in time. So you can just say that I'm moved into a new historical paradigm. I intend to live with the values that come out of that paradigm. For example, I tend to use Bitcoin, nothing else to value communication. And then I intend to go somewhere where I can breakfast that, And that's the exodus. And there were probably a lot of different places, which I think is great. I love the Bitcoin cults. I love the Bitcoin communities. I love the plurality of it. I think it makes perfect sense because it's a, it's a movement to people who love decentralization. Why? Because any system that is centralized will go after the shamanods and kill them. Every damn lynch in history has killed either a shamanoid or an androgynous person. E- if you look at the maps of Europe, and look, being a Canadian, you're still in Europe, right? Because you're into Europe, you live in Finland, right? Every medieval town in Europe, well, the whorehouse and the house of the executioner are the two houses at the port, right? Because they together, they're the same characters. One with disaster, one without. But you know, the whore and the executioner do all the dirty work. They keep the entire society together. They know they're doing it. All the people are spitting at them, but they don't care. Typically shamanoid behavior. Shamanoid people do the right thing, and if you spit at them, they don't care because they don't care what you think of it. Because you don't understand what they're doing; they they don't get it. Just, no, you just you just know I mean you don't get what I'm doing, right? But every medieval town, the poorhouse and the executioner's house are right at the porch so they can escape quickly when things get messy inside the town and people go start a lynch mob, right? Being, so a, so sailor, being a sailor, being a sailor,
2: I know that there's there are more reasons to why they're closer to the porch. <laughs>
0: Okay, but it doesn't contradict what I just said. Absolutely, no. It doesn't. No right? does.
2: It's a certain intelligence involved here. It's
0: shamanic intelligence. The point being that there's a connection between the two that I find interesting. And if there's one thing I would love to study besides the communities I'm studying, is the study of sex workers dealing with Bitcoin. I think sex workers are the perfect particle for Bitcoin. They are. Yeah, they, they are. They, they are. Uh, it makes uh, sense, too, because they they love the connections that their value communication is so solid, they can trust the value they have in their pocket or whatever, but at the same time, it's outside the fiat system, meaning they want to do their ship without laws and order logged. They're perfectly fine doing that, because they're always ostracized by the normies anyway. And, and this way, I, I think, weirdly enough, it makes sense to read Michel Foucault, because Michel Foucault was actually in Nietzsche and he was not a Marxist at all, as he reminded everybody repeatedly. He was in Nietzsche, but he did Nietzsche in reverse. He started looking at what does it mean to take the state's perspective and start from the bottom of society and discover how rotten power is. How disgusting. Which is, to me, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't know about any Western laws at least to this as shamanic as Foucault. So I'm a huge fan of Foucault, but I, I read Foucault as a libertarian read Foucault. But okay. he's
2: a to a point of slight disagreement on the decentralization. I think I speak for a lot of Bitcoiners when I say that decentralization is not an end in itself, but it's an unfortunate means to an end. And the end sought is the uh, global free market with sound money. And the, unfortunately, we can't trust one another. So we need decentralization to set up the game theoretical groundwork that works. So we have this system. And it's unfortunate that we have to because that's why it's slow. And that's why if we have transaction fees and all this stuff. It's because we need to always check one another, uh, so, so that we don't cheat. So, so, and that's the only point of decentralization in Bitcoin is to, is to create, create this thing. It's ne- necessary for us to have that in order to, to be able to. I'm about to say trust, but I mean, we we can verify any, everything in it because pointed, it's decentralized. You're pointed
0: to an interesting flaw that actually could help to not use technology. How have we historically tried to create trust between large populations? Well, it's,
2: religion. To, yeah. It's, That's what religion party. means.
0: Yeah. Really, God, it means what connects people. So what you do is that by religion, you try to connect people that otherwise wouldn't trust each other. i give you a perfect example. You know Peter Turchin, historian, data anthropologist, Right. He's red-white in these days, Russian guy. Ultraviolence, great book. Okay. Church right. fruit was a theory we had that he proved. The theory was that the first 1,000 years of permanent settlement in Mesopotamia, it was just bloody. Bloody like hell. People killed all the time. But because you had food, seven, seven out of eight kids survived. So you still had a population increase, but constant warfare. About a 1,000 years into that experience, a couple of guys found out that if if I represent Euphrates and you represent Tigris, and the two different valleys, and we build a fucking temple in between the two rivers, and then I walk up the stairs here as Ziggurat, I walk up the stairs here, and then I declare, "Hey, valley of the Euphrates people, we have a god called uh, Didi," you know, and then you walk up the other stair from the Tigris Valley towards the top, and you say, "Hey, people of the Tigris Valley, we have a god called Didi," okay. DD and PP have been at war with each other for a thousand years, right? But we started looking into the history of PP and DD and discovered that PP and DD actually had Mimi as their shared ancestor. They're brothers. Oh, what, what a tragedy! It. Stop killing each other. You, you should, should be brothers, brothers, right? To expand the idea of the people to a larger population, it worked. Yeah. it worked massively because what happened was that death rates fell dramatically. The next thousand years Mesopotamian Mesopotamia's population grew to half the population of the entire planet and the Mesopotamian model for civilization became the standard. Yeah. Now, this is what we call religion. And if there's anything besides game theory that can create trust in larger populations that we know historically it's religion, that's one of the great proponents of saying that it would be nice if the Bitcoin cult took their cultism yeah, yeah, to still. But this yeah. is
2: but this is why Bitcoin is both, because this yeah. the, the game theory is so beautiful. So people perceive it as a religious experience when they, when they experience the game theory working for them. They, they, they see this, but we, you can actually live the meme. And to many Bitcoiners, that's, that's a spiritual uh, experience. What I've discovered is that, funnily enough, family
0: values are incredibly strong with Bitcoin people. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, a lot of them are old schoolers, love their kids, raise their mom together. And, and that shows that they love trust. Because family is trust, clan is trust. All the way up mm-hmm. to tribe, we go trust. It's just that beyond 1,500 people, people started to do in others and see others as strangers. I thought and it was just 100, a bi- 100, like, 160, like
2: 160 dumb
0: numbers, numbers. And that's yeah, yeah. clan size, that's clan size. Okay, so clan is a very good, it's a very, very good motivator for human beings. The tribe actually works, all the way up to tribe and trust people. Once we go beyond the 1,500 threshold, trust is drops. And that's how we develop technologies and storytelling to try
2: to get beyond that point. And I think that you can both do the storytelling, which is any religion, which yeah, is primarily. But the, right? that's where Satoshi comes in. So, Satoshi, this messianic figure that disappeared, he is the story. Like, and that's that's enough. We have we have the mythos here. And and uh, the the example you use with the Mesopotamians between the rivers, I think is perfect metaphor for Bitcoin because Bitcoin is a perfect religion in the sense that it's both a hill to die on and a valley to live in uh, <laughs> in between, in between I, the wars. I,
0: I would say that we're standing with two rivers to be in a war with each other called the dollar and the euro. Yeah, and The yeah. dollar and the euro cannot unify.
2: Well, so again, I, I, what I would kind say of one, one is already the slave out. of the other. One, one yeah. is already enslaved to the other. But the, or, or the, the other, other way
0: around. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the thing is that there, there can be no fiat currency that becomes a global
2: currency. No, it
0: cannot but, be. But, but okay, let, let, be global let's, standard.
2: Let's dig a little bit deeper, a tiny bit deeper. We we often talk about Bitcoin as money, but at its core, it's not money. It's just ones and zeros. It's just a, a way for us to conduct ourselves that mimics money, but it's simultaneously it's something we never had. Money in the classical sense has always been, has has never had this absolutely mathematical finiteness to it we never had anything that's like in the mona lisa the equivalent of the mona lisa and there only being one so that we can converge around so we never had this system that that is infinitely divisible uh, with layer two solutions and at the same time absolutely finite the, the, so so it's another it, it's it's as on an even deeper level than money and when we talk about money, we often talk about the dollar or the euro, which aren't really money either. They're fiat currencies, which is just a very sad excuse for money. And as long as, as, long as you know, since 1971, when they could basically just print as many dollars as they wanted, they've been able to print oil that everyone else in the world had to pay, pay for. That, that's what dollar printing is. That's what the Fed is doing. They're printing oil for the US, which is why they're way richer than we are. I got my whale ticket for Miami. Since I'm a speaker, and they charge fucking twenty one thousand dollars for that, you can get a small house for that in Sweden uh, if you're far out in the bu- far enough out in the bushes. So this you can, can get fucking a town in for that. Yeah, Go yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, yeah. it's completely ridiculous. Like the way the way that it has it has c- come to the point. I think people in people in smaller towns in Sweden wouldn't believe it if they came to the U.S. and saw what's going on there in terms of how much money there is. Like. It's, and it's all from this ever-inflating bubble of stealing from everyone else. When Trump gave away $1,000 to everyone as COVID relief, the, the great capitalist Trump, what he was basically doing was pickpocketing everyone else on earth by printing money. Like That's what he's actually doing. So it's not capitalism. It's like global communism. Uh, <laughs> and it's, this the is
0: bandit- what- it's the better bandit- to have a capitalist empire, but the mm-hmm. empire is cracking.
2: Yeah but the, it is, it is. Like, it's in in Marx I mean you've read more Marx than I have but, uh, but and uh, the central bank is absolutely crucial for marxism to work like that, that's a basic premise for communism to happen is that they have a central bank that they have control over the money supply so that's the control starts and ends because money is a more powerful force than political ideas can ever be like people are motivated by this thing and and that's why it takes over. That's why everything becomes corrupt over time. That's yeah. why stupidity I, I is would, the real... I
0: would I would say that the, the way to look at a comparative feudalism lesson before we started printing money is the benefit of capitalism was that it was a fantastic bullshit detector. So you could yeah. go anywhere in any village of the world and you'd have somebody standing in the street corner bragging about the fucking snake or they will try to sell you. And that's essentially what trade mm-hmm. looked like. Now, the thing with capital... Well, then you could go to any place in the world and find some local coins. And you can then go and ask for the actual value according to the trader or whatever is was trying to sell you. And you, he was exposed. So he exposed what he actually thought of the product he was selling. So the end of advertising starts with the introduction of capitalism in the sense that stop lying, you know. And what happens now is that the very beauty of capitalism did create enormous wealth and a planet of 8 billion people. You have to accept that. Once it did that, Capitalism did that, is that, but now with capitalism, all the cracks, the flaws of capitalism are that there's still tons of bullshit going on. Yeah. And well, that's, that's some like, some it's
2: not perfect. It's not bullshit. capitalism. It's no. not capital uh, in a strict praxeological sense. Capitalism is just people saving money or no, saving,
0: no, I'm, I'm saving about capital goods. I'm capitalism as historical paradigm right. in
2: between feudalism and between your
0: beloved Bitcoin paradigm. So um, capital, all right. capital action is just head, caput, head in Latin. It's an ideal centralization. That's what it is that the capital used word, capital used terms like money, etc., to describe essentially value communications through, through printed money. That's what it was. But the thing was that the whole process of eliminating bullshitting process in human relations now takes in a whole new gear where Bitcoin gets so interesting. So we can have more human relations with less bullshit in them. And that creates value for everybody. That's the point.
2: Yeah. The Bullshit elimination is li- like, yeah, I've never seen a a more powerful bullshit eliminator than Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is slay their heroes. As soon as someone's insincere or untruthful about something and have has like, they're, they're immediately slaughtered. There are no, there are no like, it, everyone is slaying their heroes all the time. Because there's you can't fake it in, in this world, not in the real Bitcoin world. You can fake it in the crypto space, but you can't fake it here doesn't work and that's uh yeah i find that's insanely beautiful like and there's there's the duality again if if you have this new system with truth in the base layer of everything what are we living in now what if we like what we're living in now is built on top of something that is uh, extremely untruthful
0: can you explain here the difference for people who follow this conversation how you just got bitcoin versus crypto So we can clarify that. Don't, I don't take it for granted people get the difference. Why don't you explain
2: uh, it? Uh, the, the difference is there's, there, we, we discovered a way to uh, interact with one another voluntarily and with consent uh, that was set up in such a way that game theoretically it was more expensive to try to cheat the system than try to than, than following the rules. That's what Bitcoin is. so it's as fixed as agreement on uh, on a, a rule set. That's very hard to change because everyone needs to agree that the change is good for the network. In other words, it can only change for the better. And the the, the point is like everything on a computer can be copied and is copied all the time. So we found a way to get around that. And to me, that, that discovery is as big as like discovering a time machine. B- because w- w- what it enables is that we have now this, uh, this finite number uh, in mathematics that we can share and use to express value to one another. And we never had that before. It's Some say it's digital gold, and it's like gold in the sense that it gets harder and harder over time to find new gold. So the existing stock is bigger than the flow of new gold. But in Bitcoin, that is totally predictable because it's it's built in such a way so that on average, a new block is found every 10 minutes. So new Bitcoins are distributed every 10 minutes. Miners don't create Bitcoin. Everyone creates the Bitcoins. Everyone in the network, like the users attached to a node runner that runs the node, that's the market creates the Bitcoins and we, we all benefit if we follow the rules so that therefore the Bitcoins are created and it grows stronger over time. A crypto is not this. Crypto is insincere people trying to piggyback off of this great discovery. So it's people trying to like, imagine Columbus discovers America uh, and then there's a bunch of other sailors saying that they claiming that they also discovered a, a new continent when they didn't. That that's sort of what it is, because how everyone knows these uh, these basic parameters of Bitcoin, like the twenty one million cap, the ten minutes intervals between blocks, like the difficulty adjustment every two weeks or two thousand and sixteen blocks. Nobody knows anything about this in the uh, the greater crypto space, uh, and and they could. and, but in this in this shift from the old system to the new. Crypto is like fiat on steroids, because it's the quickest way to fool people and be this leeching parasite up on everyone else's gullibility. That's what it is. So, so you, can, you can start a new coin, issue a billion tokens, and sell one for $1,000, and they're, they're, you have a market cap of a trillion dollars, and all of a sudden you go up and they compare these bullshit things. When in reality, nothing happened. You sold a bullshit token to your friend and it doesn't prove anything. So all of these are pumped up because it's a, a, lot of, a lot of people are making a lot of money out of these bullshit things that a lot of gullible people fall for. Ponzi schemes. Yeah, they're all Ponzi schemes. Yes. All of them. Ethereum is the biggest one. It's the mother asshole from which all other shit points are spawned, as Saifedeem put it so beautifully uh, a couple of months back. And uh,
0: the, Please Ethereum. note no, there's no, there's no temple between Euprates and Tigers when it comes to Bitcoin and Ethereum. Like absolutely if You're done. You're done. A- a- Ethereum you're is old, school. old a- school. Yeah, you you corrupted by the old school. No, no, not, on, on. It's
2: yes. not. It's not old school. It's a scam from beginning to end, and they, that's why they need to change the narrative all the time. Bitcoin has a very fixed narrative, and that's why people people realize what it is, and they can hop on, and it can grow stronger over time. Ethereum needs to change all the time because it's not sustainable and not in any way. They needed to move to what they call proof of stake, which is actually the biggest nothing burger in, in uh, existence. A, a, a fraction. Proof of stake is fractional reserve banking. It's not tied to anything actually costly in reality. Bitcoin is tied to sacrificing electricity to guess a, a, uh, a specific number. The key here is that the old banks love Ethereum
0: and they're terrified of Bitcoin.
2: Yes. So, of they flood yeah. money. so money is being flooded into every, every one of these piggybacking bullshit things. And, and that's why it's so hard to see the signal through the noise. But a blockchain can do two out of three things. It, it, can, uh, it has decentralization, uh, security, and scalability. And you can only choose two out of three. They need to optimize for two. And Bitcoin chose to optimize for decentralization and security, and therefore, they couldn't scale as fast. So you hear this uh, opponent saying, oh, we can only handle seven transactions per second. But, but that's why we need the Lightning Network to be built on top. But the real kicker problem, problem has is, been solved. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And every other crypto needed to differentiate itself from Bitcoin so much so they could be marketed at some, as, as something else. So it needed to be scalable. Therefore, sacrificing one of the other two corners of the triangle and therefore sacrificing both because without security, you're not decentralized, without decentralization, you're not secure. So they're bound to be corrupt and taken over by by, (laughs) or if they weren't already taken over. But the real scaling solution is that, uh, as I see it, and uh, I might be alone on this hill, but it's that as as we move into hyper-Bitcoinization of this new paradigm, people won't spend as much as they do now because they now have deflationary money. So they're incentivized to save. We're also incentivized to help one another more as Bitcoiners, because we know if we help one another, we help Bitcoin succeed. So we all benefit from helping one another. Exactly. The final point, I think yeah. the notion of a company will disappear as well as the, the notion of a nation state will, uh, because we don't need them anymore. We can just collaborate with one another without calling it this thing. Uh, and we can build new profit models where everyone gets a cut of the profit instead of uh, having salaries and stuff like that in much easier ways. But the real scaling solution is that we won't need money as much as we do now. We don't, won't need to transact as much as we do now because consumerism is gone. And by, by ending consumerism and prioritizing quality over quantity, we solve every other problem. We solve every, it's like, you can't fix the environment without fixing that problem first. I I, I still cling on to this, like, we're the ones that are breaking out of the cult of statism and fiat currencies. We're the ones breaking out. No, That's no, no. the cult. I disagree. We are the cult. <laughs> okay. And I love being inside a cult and I love religion.
0: I love religion. Right. finally
2: That's getting it right. Bitcoin changed my views of religion. I mm-hmm. I still call myself an atheist but uh, but to to but now I view statism as the worst religion of them all only statism has created world wars like the, the even whatever religion Genghis Khan had was not as bad as fucking stalinism so that's that, that's that's the worst any appeal to authority is bullshit to me you're a screaming sin
0: fest. The yes, synthest okay. claims just, that we didn't need God for the I, universe to to exist. Keep, There I are need... no
2: gods there, but there will be. But I'm not a synthest. I, I, ki- I play guitar. I don't play sin. I think I <laughs> just claim that Bitcoin <laughs> is gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's another inter- here's <laughs> another <laughs> interesting one for you. Uh, Pascal's wager actually works with Bitcoin. <laughs> because like Pascal's wager says that you might as well believe in God because if you don't... Uh, Hell and, and so on and so forth, that actually works with Bitcoin because if you believe in it or and if you work for it, th- then you actually increase its chances of of becoming a reality. So, Luke, so, what
0: do you say about this? You, you're the closest one of the three of us to become uh, the Bitcoin porn star. So, sure. why don't you why don't you give your perspective what Sue just said about religion? Here? That's
2: uh really I've never heard that before. I, uh, he means that that's a compliment, Luke. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So so uh, don't take it the wrong way.
1: Thank you no, um, sure. I don't take it the wrong way uh i I think this entire conversation has been fascinating in the sense of uh pulling on Knuts uh yeah the 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 interesting takes that uh that i I find it refreshing that you come here alexander and and hear what he has to say and that it sounds religious. And I don't see the negative there. Uh, the, the Pascal's Wager question, very specifically, I I agree with this definitely, in, in the sense of that, uh, I I also draw on um, uh, Jeff Booth here, who's been talking a lot about this stuff. That uh, putting putting energy and effort into to Bitcoin is what will take away the power from the, the fiat system, essentially. And so, by aligning yourself, every individual aligning themselves towards Bitcoin is going to, no matter whether uh, they hold Bitcoin, have a lot of it, buy it, invest it, whatever, just by aligning towards it, it's going to increase the odds of this system working. And the more people who figure this out and decide to do this opt out, the better. And I hope it doesn't have to just be the uh, people on the margins forever. It's got to eventually make its way into the tribes. It's got to eventually make its way in. To everyone. That's what I take from from this conversation. What a fantastic ending for this conversation. Luke, you pulled it off. The show is also sponsored and produced by Consensus Network, the first Bitcoin-only publishing house. Consensus specializes in translations of Bitcoin books and also publishes original titles in English and many other languages. Check out bitcoinbook.shop or consensus.network to see everything Consensus has to offer. We're also always looking for new contributors, whether you have a book you want to publish, you want to help translate books into your native language, or you have some other way you want to get involved. So if you want to help spread the Bitcoin message, reach out to us by Twitter or email. Details are in the show notes. And finally, you can check out knutsvonholm.com for everything Knut, including some great Everything Divided by 21 Million merch and the Infinity Red Limited Edition wine. That's Knutsvanhom.com for everything Knut.
2: Yeah, Alexander, Alexander, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. This like yeah. this is our first of uh, this is the first one out of many conversations, I believe. And uh, there will be definitely,
0: definitely, there'll be tons of conversations. I am thrilled to be part of the community as I'm an anthropologist or whatever in any way I can serve. I I totally subscribe to what Luke just said. I'm putting my heart yeah. and soul into Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And yeah, I know that you're a sincere guy. You've been a contrarian. And I've been following your paths all my life, almost. Uh, no, not all my life, but since my, since my teens. And uh, yeah, I uh, salute you for being brave in the political climate in Sweden and speaking out there. I, I chose the most cowardly path to just fuck off and do this somewhere else. But, but anyway, I'm looking forward to to having more uh, great conversations like this in the future, and I hope you enjoy Honduras um, a lot. Uh, and I can put you in touch with all the Free, Free Cities Foundation people uh, if you need that. And uh, yeah, looking forward
1: to everything. <laughs> Would you like to direct our audience anywhere, Alexander? Where can they find you? Oh, okay. I don't have to do self pages. If you go to Google Ads Thunderbart, you'll find me there.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, if you're interested in studying what I do as of the laws of a philosopher, read the damn books. I'm also a member of the intellectual deep web. I think the, the people who are watching this conversation all the way through are certainly material for that. So you find me no media like Facebook and drop me a message or something. But the, uh, the intellectual deep up is about 450 members. It's starting in North America and Europe, figuring out that leading young artists and philosophers needed to get together and finding a conversation. It's exploded. It's gone global. It has enormous effect on these things. And for example, Bitcoin discussions are that like mainstream, mainstay of the Intellectual Deep Web conversation. So get hold of me somewhere on the social media. I'm on Twitter or Facebook, and then you can get an Intellectual Deep Web. I mean, yeah,
2: are, are there audiobooks? Uh, are your books and audio? Yeah, actually, we just fired all
0: the actors who read the audiobooks because we're going to let the AI do the audiobooks from now on. So all the six all right. books for me and John are republished this fall when Processing comes out. And I think we decided well Swedish, English, Russian... Spanish, German, and French, having philosophers to translate us, and then they, the rest of the AI or something like that.
2: Oh, <laughs> you know, we're right, we're right in the middle deals. of the uh, paradigm shift there too. So it's fascinating yeah. to be a writer. All right, I'll start reading yeah. the. Uh, I'll start reading them when the the audiobooks are done. So ping me when they are. So they will. You will.
0: <laughs> All right. Check out, yeah, check out the synthesis book. It certainly plays it, into what we just be talking about Bitcoin's mission. Yeah, book as well. yeah. It won't. Yes. It won't make me
1: start playing keyboards. I hope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bye for now, guys. Bye for the. Yeah, bye for, for you so much. You. Yeah,
1: this has been the Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks for listening.